of that research, some of it we actually use in our premarital uh, uh, premarital inventory or the premarital retreat that we do in prepare called prepare and enrich, which actually looks at emotional stability and something called agreeableness. How far do to, would two people agree over an array of uh, um, air, uh, you know, different areas or different aspects of a relationship? So emotional stability, how well a person can uh, handle their feelings in crisis or in a in problem or in a turmoil. So how emotionally stable one one is, and the other uh, uh, the the other factor was agreeableness. And uh, just to define for you what this <clears throat> specifically means, so a person with a high level of agreeableness in the personality test is usually warm, friendly, and tactful. So they generally are, uh, they have an optimistic view of life, of human nature, and they get along well with others. Uh, some of the sub-traits of this agreeableness is a person is trustworthy, a person has good morality, is altruistic, so thinks of other people, serves other people, considers other people, uh, cooperative, is a modest person, and, is, uh, and has empathy. So um, uh, again, I will say them again. Trust, morality, altruism, cooperation, modesty, and empathy. Those are some of the sub-traits of uh, agreeableness. And so they have been linked emotional stability and agreeableness uh, have been linked to marital and sexual satisfaction in marriage. It's no surprise. It is better to have a warm, cooperative mate than an unstable, uh, disagreeable one. Um, so research is telling us something that we would logically consider. So you may be thinking that the spouses with excellent traits they sound boring, you know, like they have all the nice traits, but uh, you want someone who's very attractive, who's quite interesting, and believe you're willing to put up with some moodiness or arrogance, even that you are meeting with that partner, uh, um, uh, to have that type of attraction. But consider how these quote-unquote, you know, um, arrogant or the arrogance that shows the moody individual, how, consider how they derive attention. Basically, they are only sporadically emotionally or physically available. So they're, they're not always there. They're not always generous with their time. They're not always generous with, with their feelings. Um, and uh, they're sporadically available, which gives the impression that access to, to them is, uh, is something very precious, is scarce, uh, and thus a valuable resource, something that you have to do extra work in order to receive or to get. So their love and good moods must be earned. Later on, this is this something that you discover in marriage, um, that you know, what really attracted you initially in that person's personality may have very well uh, been just um, uh, this person's, um, how he portrays or she portrays herself uh, in such a way that makes you want to earn their attention. Uh, so it's a process that holds at bay any objective evaluation of their character. So you're blinded or could be blinded. Um, and this is not unheard of. This is actually quite common. They say, oh, wow, I was very attractive to their character, to how strong they were, to um, not, not, not all the aspects of the character, though, that we will speak about, but to um, just being interesting and being attractive, only to find that um, they're not available. Uh, emotionally. Uh, so again, I highlight here that emotional stability is very important. Agreeableness with all the sub-traits that I mentioned uh, uh, is quite important as two criteria linked to marital and sexual satisfaction post-marriage. Um, I suspect that what many decent people in such relationships or mar marriages don't realize um, until they have endured a very long stretch on unfairness of unfairness during their marriage is that their this partner um, who 
um, you know, is not humble, is not modest, but is the contrary to that. We can say arrogant or prideful or hard to get and so on. Um, they enter the relationship expecting special consideration. So the type of person um, that uh, requires you to do extra in order to get their attention, uh, they've come into the relationship expecting that, expecting a special consideration. Uh, much like in a dating relationship in which the party who desires the other more must accommodate the other's wishes. So the, 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 uh, the partner begins to feel some sort of dominance, that my partner is dominating me. Uh, it seems like I have to work extra and I have to um, um, hold back so that I don't upset my partner. And over the dating period, that may be something that they're able to manage. But after in marriage for life, as time goes on, they're not able uh, to carry on with this partner dominance and this um, um, uh, holding back that, that, you know, style that they have ad uh, adapted uh, uh, themselves to only to please again their partner. So, and again, the other partner, so it, it's more of a cycle. The other partner continues to assume more and more you will do more then have the work to compensate for, your, um, for that uh, lower desirability that they may be seeing you in. So the point here is attractiveness and love are important. They're not, I'm not saying they're not important, but they're not your top two priority or uh, uh, considerations or uh, top two criteria that one should look for. You may not be initially attracted to someone, uh, however, that attraction may develop, but you may be interested in the character and the personality traits, the emotional stability of someone and their, uh, their agreeableness um, uh, and, and the commonality between you and your partner and, and that partner. Um, so looking for qualities that are the foundation of a good relationship. So throw in some examples. What do you think in your opinion, would be important in a person's character. Let's just focus our discussion on the personality trait or character. What would you say would be essential in, um, in, a, in a person's character that you'd, you would be interested to pursue life with? God-fearing. Okay, that I saw from a chat, God-fearing. Integrity, kindness, let's add to the list, honesty, simplicity, I mean a lot of these things require some definitions, um, respect, so someone who respects you, respect themselves, respect others, humor, yeah that's, that, that would be nice. <laughs> Someone says complexity, not selfish. So, okay, open-minded, selflessness. That's a nice one. Someone who's ambitious. We can take a couple more. Grounded, so grounded, I would, I would assume that that is connected to emotional stability. Adventurous, okay, generous, I like that one too. Ability to communicate openly, so there is an aspect of communication that must be there, excellent. Um, ability to communicate openly, thoughtfulness, so cons considerate, okay. Loyal, respecting, okay, sociability patient excellent i think we're going to stop we're going to stop at that i'm going to try and put them all together and put some of these uh together and uh you can you can add to to that if you like so the qualities of a person that help to build the foundation of a good marriage um i'm, I'm you've named you've named a good number of them i'd say empathy is important 
Empathy is important. The ability to put myself in someone else's shoes and see the whatever situation we're in or to see how they're thinking, to understand from someone else's perspective. Most and a lot of the conflict that exists between couples exists because a person only sees their own point of view and cannot um, get out of themselves to see somebody else's point of view. Their point of view happens to be the most correct. And they can't see that there are other perspectives uh, to a certain situation. So empathy is very important. And the ability to show empathy, not just the ability to mentally go through the exercise of seeing through someone else's eyes, but actually to, to show that person empathy, to show them understanding, to show them that you, know, um, um, you can actually join them in, in the way they feel and the way they think, even if it's different than your own. Uh, so empathy is important. Integrity is, is another important uh, quality of a person. And you, most of you spoke about honesty, and, and someone even said the word integrity. This is very important. A person who, um, you know, they, they say what they, 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 what they do, and they do what they say, and there is, there is no gap between the way they, they, they say things and the way they tell people to do things and the way they live their own lives. Under that falls honesty as well. Honesty. Honesty with one's feelings, honesty with one's dealings, with anything and everything that they do in life. Honesty in even the way they interact with you. So in empathy, integrity, honesty. There is another one, I, I don't know if someone mentioned it or not, reliability someone you can rely on maybe responsible would would can fall under a um, under a category of reliability someone you can rely on you can count on you can um uh, uh know that you are safe and secure with they're reliable they're reliable um they're not um you don't feel that there is any uh, you know, this honesty in the way they deal with you. So it's connected to honesty, but um, you know you can depend on them. Someone who is kind. I don't know if someone mentioned kindness. Yes, it was the third one mentioned. Kindness. Kindness is very important um, uh, because it shows in the way a person, again, resolves conflicts with their partner, in the way a person handles issues with their, their partner, uh, kindness in the words they use, uh, especially at the time of conflict. Um, so kindness is quite important. And emotional generosity. Now, this is something that we, uh, some of us are not very familiar with. You know, maybe we grew up holding back our feelings. But it is quite important in relationship to learn. Even if I've, in all my life, I've learned to be reserved and not to show emotions because it had helped me survive during certain uh, years of my childhood. Um, but in my relationship with a partner, I cannot be uh, uh, stingy with my emotions. I have to be generous. I have to be able to share my feelings and to, to share um, also the feelings that my partner is in need of. So empathy, integrity, honesty, reliability, kindness, emotional generosity. I recall for you some of the subtraits of agreeableness, trust, morality, altruism, cooperation, modesty, empathy. So there is a bit of an overlap there. If you find these qualities in someone, then be curious about pursuing it further even if they may not seem like your type on the surface. Um, a lot of people just close some very good relationship because they're just not attracted to start or because um, you know, of some gut feeling um, and, and so on and so forth. If you can, if you believe that some of these traits personality traits exist in someone because you've been talking to them or, or connecting with them, um, they are quite important. I wouldn't overlook them. Uh, other criteria like sense of humor, world traveler, um, they're nice to have. They're nice to have, but they're not necessarily essential um, criteria for 
choosing your partner. They're nice to have. There may be the additional stuff to have, but the, we're talking today about essential considerations, the, the basic foundation. Um, so I want to give you like, in addition to personality traits, let's talk about key criteria for choosing the right partner. Um, I'm going to give you six. The first one is selecting someone who has a like-minded commitment uh, with you in the pursuit of holiness. So a lot of people in, in, in our uh, environment, they meet with people of different faith and maybe also of different uh, set of values. That's quite dangerous. I know that sometimes we're attracted to a person or we like someone, but we're not of the same faith. And we're not uh, like-minded, even though within the same faith, but we're not like-minded in the pursuit of holiness. Someone considers life with God to be a priority, another one doesn't really. And that creates, could definitely, and would definitely create a conflict uh, in, in this partnership or in this marriage. So remember the triangle with Christ or with God, where you have partner one, partner two, like husband, wife, and God. And as both of them are pursuing holiness, are coming closer and closer to God, they also come closer to one another. This is a diagram that illustrates a very important fact, that having the same faith and, and having similar direction, like uh, the same direction towards God is an important and essential factor in, uh, um, in choosing a partner, a suitable partner. Also, is God at the center of your partner's life and yours, of course? So when we speak of choosing a partner, we also reflect on us being the appropriate and suitable partner for someone else. It's not just about uh, scrutinizing someone else. It actually is first about myself and reflecting on myself. So is God the center of my life? Is, the, is God the center of the life of my partner? Uh, do they live out their faith in their day-to-day -day life? Um, do you see it lived out in the way they, they interact with others and the way they handle their business or their job or whatever there is? Is Christ alive in that person? There is this idea or misconception sometimes that I can bring someone who's very far from God to God. That is true. You can bring someone close to God, but you have to understand that that person needs to grow and they, th there, there is definitely this area where they have to overcome and they have to work on, which is their distance that they had with the Lord and with the church and with the way we worship and so on. So I can't close my eyes and say love prevails. You know, as long as we love one another, then everything else will, will settle. Um, that is not necessarily true at all. So having a common faith, common values, and, um, and being able to, to share something as foundational as God and as faith, <coughs> excuse me, is very important. Um, I, you know, we deal a lot with uh, uh, interracial marriages and interfaith marriages where someone has converted into uh, Coptic Orthodoxy and all. And I can tell you that those who truly convert, truly come to faith and embrace it, they become uh, excellent partners. But some people may just go through the motion. They don't oppose the idea uh, of coming into faith, but they are still into their old habits. Eventually in marriage, that would create trouble and would create um, some sort of disparity and some sort of... Uh, uh, of a gap between uh, partners. So the first is selecting someone who has a like-minded commitment to you and, and with you in the pursuit of holiness. And that includes faith, common faith and common uh, practice. Second, selecting someone with a Christian attitude toward material things. Uh, we live in a world, materialistic word, world. How do we handle that? That is very important. So it's more blessed to give than to receive. We're told in the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Um, am I and is that partner um, um, caring more to give than to receive? Or is that at least 
part of their attitude towards money and towards materialistic things. Uh, does he or she feel deprived because they have to, and I hear this is funny, but they have to shop at, um, you know, an X store versus another, like shop at the Bay versus Hilton, for example. Um, again, how do we view materialistic things? Um, uh, their generosity, their almsgiving, the way they think about uh, donation and giving to the needy and to the poor and to giving to, uh, uh, you know, their, their tithing and all that. This is, again, a reflection of someone's handling of materialism, of money and of uh, the materialistic things of this world. Uh, the meaning of money to them. So what does money mean to them? And you'd be surprised different people have different meanings for what money actually is or means to them. So some people, it's safety and security to someone else. It is entertainment and uh, it is to be spent on uh, just having a good life uh, and so on. So again, understanding their meaning of money and materialism is, or materialistic things is important. Are they always looking to put into the marriage relationship or mainly seeking to take out for themselves. Again, this reflects on generosity and reflects on their view of what marriage is. Marriage is just for me. I, 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 I need this, I want this. Versus no, it's a give and take. I receive some, I give some, and at times I have to give more because my partner is vulnerable or my partner is in need. So selecting someone who has a like-minded, uh, commitments to you and with you in the pursuit of holiness. Second, selecting someone with a Christian attitude towards the materialistic world or material things in the world and so on. Thirdly, um, how observing the, the way they interact in relationships with others. So how do they treat and how do they relate to their own parents? How do they speak to you about their own parents? That's very important and quite reflective of the way um, um, they understand and they handle interpersonal relationship and quite intimate ones like their parents. Um, how do they interact with their siblings um, of the same gender or the opposite gender? And that's also a window into seeing how they relate to the uh, you know, other people and how they interact with them and how do they speak about them and so on and so forth. Um, so that's how they act in interpersonal relationship. Number four, I said there's six. So number four is how, uh, how they proactively interrelate with other people. So do they have any differential treatment of people based on position, on socioeconomic status, and so on? You just need to see how they interrelate and inter, um, how do they see the, re the, the relationship with other people of different uh, walks in, in life. Um, again, it shows you their view of humanity, of other people, of valuing people, and so on and so forth. So we can put those two close together. Number five, how do they communicate? Are you able to read them? Are they accessible to you? Can you, um, you know, or, or is it too hard? You can hardly understand what's going on with them. Uh, are they able to verbalize uh, what's going on? When are they able to put uh, words to their feelings and let you in and understand what's going on with them? So again, are they? Do they give contradictory um, statements? that gets you puzzled. I'm not sure. You, you said you're okay, but you're acting like you're not okay. Um, and all the communication stuff that you guys have heard of before and have talked about and, and probably available in, in, in many books. But to be open, let your face reflect your heart, to be accessible, um, uh, to be able to communicate and put words uh, to express how you're feeling and uh, definitely uh, not to give contradictory statements, um, you know, like I'm fine when a person is not fine. You can tell that from their nonverbal, even though their verbal communication says they're okay. 
conflict resolution styles as well. How do they resolve their conflict? Do they always compromise? Do they always accommodate? Do they always uh, solve their conflicts by being aggressive and tough? Uh, do, do, they, uh, do they just avoid to enter into any conflict at all costs? Again, understanding the different conflict styles and which one is the most common uh, to your partner is important. So you have those who avoid, those who are assertive, those who are self-confident, those who are dominant, and so on. And the last point is what we talked about initially, emotional stability, but I add to it accessibility and response, uh, which speaks about uh, empathy as well. So emotional stability, how do I handle turmoil? How do I handle um, when things are not emotionally stable or when there is a crisis or a problem? Uh, again, you want to make sure that your partner is not an ex explosive type, uh, is not uh, an emotional outburst uh, uh, like person, uh, but is someone who's able to handle their feelings, go through the issues, able to work through um, uh, the problem step by step or somehow in a stable way. Um, you, you want them also to be accessible as you also need to be accessible. As I said, it's a two-way thing and to be responsive meaning that when they see you expressing a certain emotion, they're able to give you a proper response to that. They're able to stay with you, uh, with your vulnerability, with your time of, uh, of this um, emotionality, and they're able to stay just right there and, and handle you and talk to you and work with you. Some of these are skills that can be learned, but the ability of the person or their openness to learn them is also important. So let me summarize what I said. Selecting someone who has like-minded commitment with you and uh, with you in the pursuit of holiness, having a, a Christ-based relationship is very important. Uh, selecting someone with a Christian attitude towards material things uh, and uh, materialism and money and so on and so forth. This speaks of generosity, of honesty, of the meaning of money and so on. Um, are they looking at putting into the marriage as much as they're receiving or they expect everything to be just uh, uh, them being on the receiving end and that's it? Number three, um, how they act in interpersonal relationships, especially with their parents and their siblings and their friends. Also, how proactive they are interrelating with other people and whether they discriminate or they have um, anything that would be a red flag about handling uh, or interacting with certain people and so on, their view of humanity and their view of other people. Um, uh, number five, uh, their communication and their conflict resolution style. And number six, their emotional stability uh, and how accessible they are. You're able to read them, you're able to understand them, and you're able to work with them, and they're able to work with you, and they're responsive to you when you have a certain emotional need uh, or a need in general. They're, they provide an appropriate response versus someone who sees you in distress and they're talking and they begin talking about something else that relates to them or they're thinking of something else uh, consistently. And despite the fact that you bring it up, they're still not uh, um, you know, changing that type of response. And again, like I said, many of these things can be learned, but the openness of a person to learn them is very important. Um, so when, um, when you're looking to choose a, pro a partner, there are some essential things to consider. Some people have just a very long list that is unattainable. Um, we need to keep it simple. We need to keep it simple. If I put it in six points, um, it's different than when someone really have these, you know, unattainable criteria. So for many single people, uh, the older they get, the longer their list grows. This is uh, found in, in, in one of the research that I was looking into. Um, the list just keeps growing. And um, some people could wallpaper an entire house uh, with their checklist. It's a good idea to think through what is important, 
in the uh, opposite sex to you personally, but you can't develop a checklist of a, of, of a thousand things that no person uh, this side of heaven could ever fulfill. It's important to be realistic and to be open to connecting with people. And, you know, I know that a lot of people, they don't want uh, any sort of traditional connection or uh, a priest saying, you know, meet so-and-so. And so they just want it to be seamless. That's fine. That's, I guess that's a preference. However, if I want to be very honest with you, the way you meet someone is not as important as what happens after the meeting and what you see after the meeting. So if some of us can can consider overcoming uh, some of the, uh, you know, what, what I would call, you not it's not your preference of how you, but having um, a realistic, short, but essential list of key things that must be there and being open to meeting people and, um, and interacting with people, I think that would be quite beneficial because um, as they always say, do not judge a book by its cover um, because there could be something, some, some, some stuff very interesting inside that book, but the cover wasn't that attractive. Um, so character issues, uh, which I started with, these are very important. Faith issues are very important. Uh, they say that if you're looking for a, a, a if you're looking for a man, make sure that the, the man is uh, responsible and kind, in addition to, to some of the stuff we mentioned. But kindness is very important to see in a man and uh, to be responsible. Someone who can be reliable um, is quite important to be honest. Those initial traits that I mentioned. Um, and... Uh, One last thing that I, I didn't really uh, speak much about, but also acceptance by the family is important. Um, it's something to consider um, because marriage is always a marriage of families. Whether you like it or not, in your partner, there is a bit of his father and a bit of his mom. And uh, there's a bit of his environment in, in general and also in yourself. So understanding that and, and connecting with the family and being accepted by the family is also another matter of importance. Um, that's basically what I had uh, to discuss with you. And I'm open to hear your thoughts and your opinion uh, and your forever and ever. I'm advertising for Edge. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Th thank you, Abuna, for the uh, for the talk and for uh, if you remember, this is one of Edge's uh, giveaway in in, in the retreats. <laughs> Abuna is still using, so Edge's giveaways are uh, so valuable and uh, useful. Uh, if anyone has uh, a, a comment or a question, please you can ask. You can enable your mic and ask, or you could ask in the chat. How can you uh, meet someone right now without attending any meetings? Uh, Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> or Zumba. <laughs> Sorry, Avon, I just had to say this. <laughs> Um, yes, I mean, we, we do live in a very challenging time in the last two weeks. Hopefully that will not uh, remain forever. Uh, as Pope Shenouda used to always say, uh, you know, it will end. It has, everything has an end. Uh, so hopefully that will not be forever i can't i can't think about myself being in the house forever <laughs> so uh, but again um i i'm i i don't specifically encourage online dating however i did 
uh, hear of some Christian uh, sites that are very respectful and very useful. And some people have gotten married through them. Uh, but again, this is not a permanent solution to your question. Uh, I say we would go back and we would meet and we would, like I said, be open to meeting with people and not judging someone uh, by their cover, like by just, you know, not interacting with them enough to, to see what's, you know, what's in that person's personality. People feel, so I hear from, uh, from, from a few people that they feel that they're prejudged uh, before they enter in the relationship and that kind of intimidates them. So I, I, I honestly, and forgive me if I'm saying something that uh, doesn't, you know, doesn't sit too well with some, uh, but we have to be easier with one another. We have to be more open to connecting and not afraid as adults to interact and, and meet new people and, and also not afraid of the risk of, quote unquote, something not working out. Because if it's not going to work out, it's better that it doesn't work out now than later on after marriage. And I think that's, you know, that's a given. Um, so can you go over how to address when someone is passive aggressive, also when they're not taking your emotion seriously, like they make fun of it? I mean, you have to be very assertive. You have to hold your ground. You have to understand the impact of this passive aggressiveness on you first and what it makes you do uh, such as avoidance, for example, or it makes you shy away from speaking up. And that's why I said assertiveness is very important. And you definitely need, uh, as, a part, as, as a couple, you would need a, a guidance from a priest or from maybe a counselor. But someone who's passive aggressive, they also need to work on that. That's quite dangerous. Being passive again, depending on how, what's the degree of this passive aggressiveness, but it is quite dangerous. So this would be something that that person would need to work on for sure. And on your on your end, you need to become more assertive. You need to overcome if there is partner dominance. You need to speak about it. You need to verbalize it. You need to take guidance from uh, your father of confession or a counselor or a priest. Um, and uh, you need to continue to. Uh, speak about your feelings in a serious way and request that they be taken seriously. Uh, so you have that on your end, but also your partner also has what they need to work on as well. Uh, what age considerations should guys keep in mind when choosing someone? You, you probably age gap um, between a, a guy and a girl. Generally speaking, it is preferred um, because of the aging, the, 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 difference, the difference in how, in the rate of aging and how male age versus female and how that shows uh, and so on, um, that the male be older than the female. I don't know if you're still hearing me. Are you still hearing me? Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the gap, would be something reasonable uh you know they say three to five is is ideal three and a half four is ideal uh but there have been 10 year gap but anything beyond that i think it does require some sort of clearance even the church would would give you would tell you um you know um can you go for counseling can you you make sure it's okay. Can you understand the implications that could happen over years? Um, you know, not necessarily now when you're young, but when when you're much older, uh, and and it would require you to be aware of that before you pursue it. Abuna, please, if you want to uh, intervene and and say and add to that, if you could, that would be great. No, thank you, Abuna. Uh, maybe maybe let me add one more question. <laughs> what do you think of, of, of an age gap that is maybe around 10, 12 years old? So it's not unheard of, but like I said, you, you need to understand uh, some people are uh, 10 years older than you. Like I'm talking here uh, a male who's 10 or 12 years older than the, the female. Uh, but they look very young and they act very young and their lifestyle is very young. Uh, so that also can be taken in consideration. Um, uh, however, it is something to consider as you get older. 
So that's why I said you, the church would speak to you, uh, uh, maybe send you to a counselor to understand what could happen because of this uh, age gap. Uh, if it's 15 years, 12, 15 years, and so on, to, um, and that you understand it and you've worked through it before you pursue it. And you, and, and I think in some cases you have to actually sign that you understand that and, and uh, you're taking responsibility for that. Yeah, Ibuna, you're right. Uh, my understanding is uh, uh, church-wise, if it is 10 years or older, the church would ask both uh, parties to sign a kind of uh, kind of a consent that they have been uh, uh, advised about the some of the implications but they understand they're aware about it and uh, they checked it and they want to still pursue the relationship uh, how can you be emotionally generous without being too emotional? So emotionally generous doesn't actually mean to be emotional, uh, like in the sense of pouring out one's emotions. Emotionally generous could simply mean being present and available when someone is in need to share their own feelings. Uh, to be emotionally accessible, that means you're able, your partner is able to see what's going on with you or to see some of it uh, or most of it um, because you are putting it in words. And this is something people can learn, is to say, I feel very disappointed today versus I feel angry, which is, um, uh, you know, like a general statement for all our feelings. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. Well, what's going on behind that? To be able to ac access and go deeper into actually how you're feeling. So you can, you can be present emotionally by being attentive to someone's feelings. That's, that's, that's part of it. And you can also be uh, verbal is how you're feeling. And it's not about being too emotional. It's not about uh, being like, uh, you know, uh, one of the points that um, I had here, uh, you know, this is funny. So take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Four types of men you should run away from. The one who is always broke, the mama's boy, the sad sack, the master manipulator. And four types of women you should run away from. Damsel in distress, the psycho, emotional outburst, the control freak, and the needy one. You know, this is funny. So just take it as it, as, as it is with a grain of salt. But, uh, you know, part of it is, uh, you know, damsel in distress, you know, always crying and always needing someone to, you know, lift, lift, lift her up and, and all that. Uh, sometimes this is a way of attraction, of, of seeking attraction, but it's not a healthy way of seeking attraction. Um, so that, that's on emotional uh, stability. Um, if you found those trees and started talking to them and it goes well, but you seem to initiate the conversation most of the time. Sometimes they seem to be open to conversation and sometimes reserved. So it's about being open or reserved in conversation. Do you stop or what do you do in the relationship? No, I think you should pursue it further. You should, uh, you should <clears throat> see whether this is something that you can work with or not. And what's, what are the reasons behind the reservation or uh, holding back on their end? So I wouldn't say no to stop. I wouldn't say stop. I'd say pursue and understand what's going on. Understand the dynamic between you and that partner a little bit better and actually more and, and, and more by, by speaking specifically around that. There must be a reason why that person is holding back or sometimes they are uh, quite conservative. Maybe that's how they learned to be with their feelings. And a lot of guys are like that, uh, you know, again, because of how we, men have been socialized in this world in general, not to show weakness, not to show emotions and so on and so forth. So it is something to pursue further, not to just end the relationship uh, based on. Um, or come from a good home environment. What if you don't come from a good home environment and bad relationship with parents, but it's something you're working to overcome and trying to be different? That's the key. Uh, all of us have some sort of baggage. All of us. Some are heavier baggage than others, but we all have something we need to work on. So as long as that person is working on it properly uh, to, to really get over whatever impact his or her past have had on them, then that's okay. As long as they're working on it and you're seeing that 
the impact on your relationship with that partner is is getting you know is um, is getting better. Um, it's not impacting the relationship as it used to because of the work that your partner have, have has been doing. That's great. Can you repeat the characteristics again? So, uh, are you referring to the agreeableness? We said trustworthy, good morality, altruism, cooperative or cooperation, modesty, and empathy. We said empathy, integrity, uh, honesty, reliability, kindness, and emotional generosity. Those would be the quality of a person. Empathy, integrity, honesty, reliability, kindness, and emotional generosity. And I would say that if all this is, is in a person's character because of their relationship with God, then now we have that foundation that I mentioned as key, which is um, the foundation of faith, the foundation of living, uh, you know, as someone who is united with God, with Christ, and living that out, out of that good place. Abuna, what did you say at the beginning about the important considerations? This was before you talked about the important traits. You had mentioned agreeableness. Yes, I said agreeableness um, uh, and emotional stability. So people have listed attraction and love above personality traits. Uh, however, the research shows that the people who have reported the highest marital satisfaction and sexual satisfaction in marriage are those who have a spouse, they have emotional stability, high emotional stability, and they have high agreeableness. What do you think of long distance relationship? It's tough. It is possible, but it's tough. It does require work uh, because of insecurities that are normally present in the relationship to start. Um, and the person isn't there. And a lot of people who have actually distant relationship, when the person comes back from wherever they're at, they feel that the relationship is a lot smoother because you're just there in front of each other. There's something about seeing and being in front of the person. Uh, we were just created uh, a bone out of bone, flesh out of flesh. So there is this natural attraction that exists physically. Um, and distance, a relationship, they can work, but they require understanding and they require a lot of work. It is hard work. Um, so it's, is it a no or a worth trying? Again, it's, uh, it depends on many other factors. It depends on who that person is, on uh, the many, uh, you know, some of the six criteria that we've mentioned uh, here. Uh, so it depends on other commonality between you and that person. And if that person is really good, then yes. However, it does require work and it has, it's, it's bumpy, it's bumpy but it's, it could be workable, it's just a lot harder. It's like saying, for example, similar to saying interrelationships. I cannot say no to them. I wouldn't say no to them, but I'd say there are considerations that need to be taken. Uh, uh, there, are, there are factors that need to be taken in consideration, and it's not a blank yes either, because there are cultural differences um, that need to be overcome. They need to adapt to uh, someone else's culture and they need to adapt to yours as well. So that, that's hard work. Hi, Bona. Like to keep. Okay, sure. Uh, do you have any tips on how to get your old fashioned parents to let you explore a relationship without forcing you to rush? Yeah. Abuna Votras helped me out here. <laughs> this is a very good question and quite common, by the way. Uh, sometimes parents, you know, they, they want to rush you. Yes. Uh, so how to get uh, them to let you explore a relationship without forcing you to rush? It's a very... Uh, in, it's, it's hard to answer specifically, but you know your parents... Um, and as an adult, um, you can try and convince them, logically speak to them. You can 
Um, this is a tough one. Like this is this is a very good question and a tough question, to be honest with you, because you cannot make anyone do anything. Like you cannot make your parents change. You can hardly change yourself. So to to answer the question of how to make your parents let you explore a relationship, that's a very tough one. You have to convince them. You have to act as an adult in dealing with them and and in dealing with your with 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 other people. Maybe take. Uh, the advice of your father of confession, maybe the involvement of your spiritual guide or father of confession could help. Who knows? I've seen it happen where uh, intervening, uh, uh, you know, and speaking to the parents and explaining to them, you know, your daughter or your son is not going to meet someone the old fashioned way. They just need months, you know, uh, to get to know someone without any labels. And at that age, you know, someone in their 20s, um, uh, which is different maybe than what the parents are used to. Uh, I don't know if Abuna has any better tips or specific tips uh, to add. Or Definitely nothing better than Abuna, but it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I agree with Otsa Kibuna. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a challenging situation. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind is maybe the need to enrich uh, the relationship with the parents. I think this needs to take place regardless. Uh, 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 because as, as you mentioned, Abuna, at the begin, uh, uh, one of the things is uh, the marriage is between two families. So getting your parents on board, I think this is uh, important. So maybe this is a calling to get you to enrich your own personal relationship with your parents. That's number one. Uh, number two is, is is maybe choose the right time. Sometimes I know people who involve their parents uh, even be, even when it is an idea, just to get suggestions to keep them on board, and this goes smooth. Uh, some some choose to maybe postpone this a little bit until the right time. So you choose, but at the same time, I think it's uh, it's important to involve parents in the process, uh, so that you do your so that there wouldn't be any surprises suddenly. You know, you know what? I I'm not happy with this person. Uh, regardless, or you know what, you need to get married right now. <laughs> uh, so enriching the relationship with the parents and choose the right time knowing your parents uh, in a summary way. Thank you, Abuna. You said do not close the door on gut feelings. How can we tell if this gut feeling is self-sabotage or a sign from God? Well, the signs from God are very clear and obvious and they get reaffirmed. The, the, the more you pray and the more you, you, you connect with that person. Uh, so there, there's a, it's a huge difference between just a gut feeling that is unchecked and a gut feeling that has been checked and has been checked and checked and checked. And, and it's quite clear that it's no longer just a, a, a gut feeling, that it's something uh, that uh, is a clear sign from, from God. Uh, through through you not closing the door, but interacting with that person more, and then uh, being verifying whether that gut feeling was real, was true, or was not. How important is it for a guy to be able to show you that they cherish you? That's part of emotional generosity. Um, it is important. It is important. It's something that couples need to work on, or a partner need to work on. Is this a nice to have or is it critical in a relationship? I think it's a critical thing in a relationship, especially if someone is flagging it. Uh, because then uh, if that dynamic continues and you're not able to adapt to it, if you've tried and you're not able to adapt to it, then it, is, uh, it becomes a skewed relationship where you're always in need of emotions and your partner is always not giving you these emotions. It's, it, this becomes critical becomes quite critical. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dynamic, if you're not able to work out um, and work through, then it becomes, could become a problem in marriage. Uh, how can I know the girl is from God and, and, and his right time? That's a good question. Um, I mean, going through some of what we said today, uh, would be one thing to consider. Uh, again, God is not going to send you a bad girl uh, or is not going to send a bad person to you. That's not how God works. Uh, but he also gave us a way to choose 
He gave us something of his, which is rationality. This is given to humans uh, from God, the ability to, to, uh, um, to work through things and matters and consider them and think about them and balance them with guidance, divine guidance uh, as well. So uh, if everything, if the essentials are there the, and uh, that we've talked about, uh, they're there and your family is blessing it, her family is blessing it, your, your fathers of confession are blessing it, um, your interaction. So I, when I say the criteria, I mean, also part of that is your interaction with that person is good. Um, and uh, so, so God will make that a prosperous relationship if you work um, hard to keep the relationship. We always say marriage is hard work and it's not greener on the other side of the fence. It is greener where you water it. So it does require daily watering and it does require enhancement and work. Marriage is not something we do once and that's it. We expect it to, to, to float. We have to keep it always uh, growing. Uh, and how, the right time? Well, the right time means that you're both uh, mature emotionally, stable uh, financially, uh, spiritually, um, I mean, there are all the stuff we talked about and it is the right, you know, it's the right time because it is a suitable time. Again, we know from Eric Erickson that between the age of 20, early 20s and, 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 and mid 30s, that's the uh, or early 30s and mid 30s. That's really the time when you're looking for a partner. So that would also be a suitable time, given also the other criteria. How important is it for a guy to be able to know we finished that? How do you find out someone's true color, time frame wise? Usually people are in fear if someone is true and genuine in character, because there could be a turning point, and then your emotions are too invested in a relationship. Yeah, that's a risk that comes with relationships. Uh, I will say it bluntly. It's a risk that comes with love. However, people initially, they're prudent, they're careful. Uh, you know, they're not, they don't get too invested until they see signs were created again this way. Uh, you know, we begin to trust as we become vulnerable. Um, we check things out where, uh, you know, where we just don't, don't become vulnerable blindly or we shouldn't. Um, and so we interact and we test the waters. We check things out. Um, and if things are going well, then, you know, we pursue it further. We become more vulnerable and so on. But it does come with the risk of hurt. And people do get hurt here or there, whether it be your perception um, or maybe the action of another or both. So uh, time, I can give you a specific uh, time frame, but people usually uh, would, would, would get to know one another over a few months uh, you know, four or five months before they're able to say, yeah, this seems like it's the right thing going well. But the tricky part is you might feel one thing, but your partner feels a different thing. And that's the risk. You may feel comfortable, but only to discover that your partner isn't. That's, that's just a risk that exists. If someone has great character, but they're not your usual type, personality-wise, what would you advise? Uh, to work it out. Uh, to work it out. Personality types don't have to match at all. And this is something that people learn when we do the premarital, um, is that you can actually work with any personality type. We're not talking personality disorders. <laughs> We're talking personality types. So, uh, you know, if we say there are four or five personality types, depending on the test that you do, you can uh, work with that personality type, understand the personality type and how to interact with them. And they can understand yours and how uh, to interact with you. It's like the languages of love. We all speak languages of love, but they're different or we prioritize them differently. So there is learning there. I can learn the language of love of my partner uh, and they can learn my language of love, and therefore we can communicate love in a better way. 
how do you go about dealing with a partner? Uh, how many more questions can I take, Abuna? One more? Abuna Butrus, I can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> can we take a couple of questions, Abuna, and then conclude? Sure. So two questions. Okay. Um, how do you go about dealing with a partner who does not want to pursue counseling, always puts the blame on the other? Uh, the other meaning yourself? If that's the case and they're not, they're, they're not really wanting counseling, it's a red flag. I always, I'll, I'll be honest with you because I've seen this many times, when I hear something of that description, it doesn't mean, because I don't know you and I don't know your partner, uh, so what I'm saying is a statement, a blank statement is general, it's not specific, but I always am very careful with narcissistic personality uh, disorders or narcissistic people. They're very difficult to handle and very difficult to deal with. And uh, they tend to blame others, never see the fault in themselves, never say sorry, never take ownership of their actions. So I don't know if this fits that or not, but I would say this is a red flag, something to be looked into. The last question. <clears throat> How should you approach someone you would like to date for marriage who is not of the faith? If they were open to converting, how do you approach this conversion and how would you describe the process for marriage to them? So the first thing I would say is it starts with you personally and you valuing your faith and you valuing uh, your tradition and understand why, even though you're born in it, why you're remaining in it. It, it, it really stems from us first and if you value your faith and you value your tradition and you know why um, you would want your partner to see it and know it so you become invitational you understand why because some people say well if i'm not converting to them i, I can't really ask them to convert to mine but that reflects a lack of appreciation and value and understanding of your own tradition and faith and i uh, I'm saying it bluntly, we were speaking openly and honestly. That's why I'm saying first you must understand. I know some people who said to their uh, uh, partners during the dating time, I will never leave my God or my church. And they said it whichever way they said it, of course. And they were so invitational, so open to inviting them to the church and to meet with the priest and go through the process of, of catechism and all that. And those are the partners that I've seen are servants in the church today um, because they saw in their Coptic partner the value, the true, genuine evaluation and, and appreciation of their own faith. Otherwise, it becomes um, like a process that people go through and um, it doesn't produce, like I said initially in my talk, a stable couple in the church. So uh, the process would be to bring them to your father of confession and then they either attend class or if your father of confession sits with them uh, individually, they catechize them, they give them books to read and they follow up with them and they sit with them and they invite them and, 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 and hopefully they can also introduce them to a group of people because the church isn't just the faith that is learned but the faith that is lived in community. And that's why any catechismal uh, class or program should include people to uh, welcome that new person so that they can assimilate the church. They can, uh, that they can look at the church at one point and say, this is now my church. Um, and thank God we have churches that offer these services and are not as ethnic as some other churches. Uh, and we have groups or, or, or services that can help them with that as well. Um, and you can describe the process for them as you would learn about the faith. And then when you come to the faith, this is a choice that they need to make not for you, but first and foremost for themselves in relationship with God before they make it for you. Because if they make it for you today, they will step out of it later. 
not necessarily by converting back to their faith, but there will become real obstacles. There will be real obstacles to going to liturgy, to coming to service, to coming to church, to taking communion, to um, even some of the values that inform our parenting styles, and so on and so forth. And so that's why I said, I don't say no to interracial marriages. On the contrary, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with them as long as the partners can work through what they need to work through. Thank you. Thank you, Abuna. Thank you very much. And thank you, uh, everyone. Uh, if you'd allow me, Abuna, just one minute to reflect on something that came as a, as, as a quick uh, follow-up on one of the questions about the ages. Uh, if, if the age difference is reversed, where, where the girl is older than the, uh, uh, than the guy, um, I, I would follow what Otsak said, like it depends on the personality, the maturity, the uh, character, the traits. And usually, generally, I think it's 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 okay or it's common. I have seen recently where the girl is two to three years older. More than this, I would be kind of a bit uh, cautious uh, for a, a kind of uh, uh, many, many reasons. And again, uh, usually these reasons with the age difference are not discoverable right now, not identifiable right now. You might not identify it right now, but actually uh, usually with a higher percentage, they would impact the relationship maybe 20 years down the road, 15 years down the road, and we're aiming for a lifelong commitment, not just 10, 15, 20 years. We're aiming for life forever. So we care if, 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 if after 10, if after 15, 20 years, things are, things are already going to happen after 10, 15 years. So uh, adding the age component might add a bit of a complexity. So it's something to consider two years, two, three years where the age with where the girl is older i think is is, is reasonable it's okay uh, provided that you you identify that the personality maturity between both of you there is a reasonable compatibility then i think it should be fine and as abuna mentioned guidance by uh mentor spiritual mentor father of confession would be helpful as well thank you abuna very much thank you everyone i uh, enjoyed the uh,